Ja, mit Batteristen auf dem Zeller. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Swiss Pats. I am Don Delco, and joining me, as always, Susie Lyon. G'day, everyone. Good day, everyone. We have Dave Burrows on later in the show. He is a ski instructor. It is ski season. I just got done skiing last weekend. I got more trips ahead planned. My legs are extremely tired from trying to keep up with my eight-year-old son. He's much better than I am. And uh, yeah, so Dave is going to be on to talk about uh, his school that he runs and his lessons and uh, kind of his philosophy around it. It's pretty cool. So Dave will be joining us later in the show. Yeah. So, Susie. G'day. Again. Again. You know, I I came over to record and I sat down at your table and there was these couple plates of cookies that were sitting there looking delicious. Yeah. And we went... You can always find something sweet to eat in my house. We went a good 15 minutes before I was like, I, I finally had to address the elephant in the room, the fact that there was these delicious looking cookies on the table. Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, the philosophy in my house is that if you are welcomed into my home, then you can eat anything that's on the table or also anything in my cupboard or also anything in my drawers. I've got like <laughs> drawers full of sweets and candy and stuff. I've seen that drawer before. It's yeah. quite impressive. Yeah. Um, and often people will come and I will forget that people need to like, you know, get have sustenance while they're here. Well, no, it's just a societal like little dance you do, right? It's It's... I see these cookies. They look delicious, but I don't want to just, I don't know. Maybe they're for school. Maybe they're for some party you're going to. I'm not just going to grab at these cookies. Oh, see, that's the difference. I would just grab one or I'd say, I'm going to eat these cookies. Is that okay? And Uh, so I just, you know, I didn't even think about the cookies. It's a bit more aggressive tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you met me? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, It is aggressive. And speaking of uh, aggressive tactics, uh, by the way, the cookies, uh, they were okay. Yeah. I didn't make them, so I don't care. Yeah, well, it was your fault. They were not okay. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Lemon-flavored chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Not a... That's not setting your daughter up to succeed. No. She'll, she'll try again. There'll be, a, there'll be cookies next Just time buy the come. proper dough for her, please, right, so I she will. can cook me cookies. Yeah. Biscuits, excuse me. Okay. We want to... I want to talk taxis. Okay. Before we get to Dave. So there's a couple stories in the news about taxis. The first one, it's it's kind of a little mundane, but let's let's just set it up. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Switzerland is considering expanding public transport to include taxis. Ooh, a taxi ticket. Yeah. Now in Switzerland, one in five journeys are made by public transport, which I thought was low. That is pretty low. Private car usage picks up most of the remainder yep. of that slack, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a fellow who I'm not going to try pronounce his name. It's very do German. Do it, do it, Uli Stuckelberger. Oh, whoa, Don, listen to you. He is the director of the Swiss Association for Public Transport, and he told a, a local newspaper that including taxis in the country's public transport options would allow them to reach their ambitious targets. So the idea is the association plans on increasing public transport usage by one percent per year until 2040. Mm. Okay where they hope that two out of every five journeys in the country will be made by public transport. Okay. He says the target's ambitious but quite realistic. And taxis will allow for passengers to take safer, more direct trips, especially on weekends. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love a door-to-door service. 
It is pretty nice, but you pay for it, man. Right. That, and that is one of the reasons that no one likes taxis in this country and that people prefer Ubers despite them fighting about it because it's expensive. It's really it's expensive. expensive. One time we came back from a holiday and we got to SBB and we lived in Binnigan. So we're talking 15 minutes max from SBB and it cost us 50 francs. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I live I live just off the 50 bus line. It goes from the SBB in Basel out to the airport, okay? Mm. And we're about midway. And that entire trip on the bus takes, I don't know, 15 minutes, yeah. okay? But there's been a few times where we have early flights and we've had a taxi from our apartment to the airport. Literally takes like five minutes by car. It's 35, 40 bucks. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's a lot of money for, for a quick trip. I have noticed a lot of the older people in this town use taxis, yes. but I think they get some sort of assistance. But for them, it makes sense, right? I see that a lot, like uh, taxis pulling up and either getting out to help old people get in or out of the car. Right. I agree. I bet you there's some sort of social um, system that helps. Yeah. What would we know, though? We're not old enough. <laughs> I think yet. Anyway, it's uh, it's interesting that they would that they're trying to do this, but I don't know, man. A lot of the towns, Basel, Bern, Luzern, Zurich, I don't know about Geneva, but the public transport systems are so good. Right. So I do know of a system in Rien, which um, is just outside of Basel for those who are not familiar with Basel. Um, literally it is actually still considered Basel, so it's not even that far, but it is kind of, you know, it's, it's out there. Yes. It, it's not really Basel, but you know, if you're from Regan, I apologize, you'll <laughs> probably stop listening. Um, they, my, I've got quite a few friends that live in that area and there is a taxi service that picks you up from the tram stop or bus stop and takes you directly home. And it's from a certain time in the evening until like 4 a.m. I guess, I don't know, but that's what you can. And I've done it before really? because my friends don't live that close to the, tra- the tram stop. And I guess that's why they do it because there's a lot of people living in that area and there's a lot of people coming home late at night, you know, especially on weekends. And they offer that service and it was completely free. There was a lady sitting at the bus stop, um, tram stop, and we all piled in and we told her the address and she took us there. It's quite trusting. <laughs> you just pile in some lady's car. Yeah, she's like, like, hey, take ah, us here. These, like, these uh, foreigners okay, got okay. in my car today. I was waiting for my husband at the tram stop and these foreigners got in and I didn't know what to do. I just drove to this address and yeah. I got out of there. I was so scared. Um, but that that is a good service and it's completely free. I, I assume that it's paid for through taxes for living in Rian. Hashtag Susie fact. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Let's be honest, though. If you're going to be getting taxis, when's it going to be used? It's going to be used late at night and on the weekends. It's going to be a mess. People are going to be like getting in them drunk. Uh, Not that they don't already, but yeah. if you don't have to pay for it or uh, you don't have to pay much for it, then I don't know. I know that Switzerland's pretty good with the whole binge drinking on the weekends thing it's not as prevalent here but i mean there's a lot of us foreigners that that continue our cultures from yeah. from home there's a couple of fridays ago where your husband and i kind of yeah hit that point and uh-huh. oh boy i'm not even sure how my husband got home that <laughs> night probably in a bloody taxi 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I was very surprised that he got home safe that night. So, speaking of taxi drivers, so I think they might not be happy with this. They seem stressed out, and I'll tell you why. In Lausanne, a taxi driver is facing charges after allegedly firing a taser at a competitor in December. Ooh. The 66-year-old taxi driver says he was frustrated at the sight of an unauthorized taxi outside the Mad Nightclub. He admits to grabbing a mini taser and shooting it at the driver, who collapsed. Which, which, which as you do when you have electricity running through your body. But this guy wasn't done. So after he tased this fella, the taxi driver took the man's car keys and drove off. He soon returned to give back the keys because, you know, he's, he's a, a good nice guy. guy. Right. At that point, he was arrested. Yeah, probably for like serious bodily harm or something. He faces illegal firearm charges for the taser. Oh, what a what a waste of your life and career. I just, like he probably won't go to jail for that, but he'll probably lose his job. We've all had bad days at the office, right? Like, I mean, snap. there's plenty of people I want to taser with a mini taser. Mm. No doubt. There's a long line. Uh, there's a huge line. Just today. Yeah, am I in that line? And I haven't even left the house today. <laughs> Uh-oh, that means I'm in the line. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, that is a pretty extreme way to deal with being frustrated at a competitor. So they say unauthorized taxi. I'm guessing that's like Uber. Uber. Yeah. But is Uber unauthorized here? I don't know. It's very confusing. Do they have Lyft? They don't have Lyft. Mm-mm. I mean, years ago... Mini cabs, they were called in London, was a big problem where they were unlicensed cabs where people would like fall out of the clubs and there'd be pe- there'd be people standing there and be like, hey, I'll give you a lift, I'll give you a lift, and you'd get in their cabs yeah. and they'd take you home. And that obviously can lead to some very bad things happening, and sure. it did. And they cracked down on on that sort of uh, illegal mini cabs, and and I'm sure they still exist, but like people are more aware, like you have to get into a licensed cab. If, well, London, it's pretty clear in London. It's it's the black. Well, no, you cars. can get you can get any kinds of. There are other cabs that you can get that aren't black cabs, and you just have to make sure they're licensed. That's that's the thing now. Do they have Uber there? They have Uber, but it's a similar thing. It's very confusing. The, a law was changed. It's not supposed to be happening anymore, but they're fighting it so they can still have Uber mm. while they're fighting it. It's one of those weird things. Um, but yeah, they do at the moment. Who knows for how long? Uh, but it would be frustrating if your business was being stolen by somebody who didn't have the license that they needed, the car that they needed, and all of that stuff. However, maybe if the taxi drivers reduced their prices, it wouldn't be such a problem. Or just don't tase people. There's a good point. You know? Yeah. Just don't tase people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the philosophy for the day. <laughs> Even though you really want to, Susie. Yeah, I'm not going to. That's good. Because I'm smart. You're not like this taxi driver. Yeah. That's good. All right. So let's get uh, let's get on to our interview with Dave. I am uh, I'm right in the middle of, of ski season. I'm very excited. I'm getting better. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying the Apri ski mostly, but uh, yeah, it's really cool. We're, we're in the height of ski season, so we had on Dave Burrows, who is a uh, basically he's a licensed. I mean, he, he runs Snow Pro Ski School, and he'll explain to you all about that as well as kind of his philosophy when it comes to skiing. It was a good chat all around. It was. He was a good chap. He is a good chap. Is good, that good? Good use of the uh, the English word there. 
chap. Thank you. All right, here's Dave. All right, and joining us now is ski instructor Dave Burrows of the Snow Pro Ski School. Thanks, Dave, for coming on. How are you? We appreciate you coming up and uh, taking some time off from the slopes. I know the the ski season's pretty much starting now, yeah? Yeah, uh, I've been skiing, working skiing since October with various bits and pieces. Um, Skiing for pleasure since August. August? Yeah, so my house is one hour 40 from Sasfe. Okay. Especially if you're driving early in the morning. (laughs) Um, before the uh, before the, the gendarmerie get up. Um, so I can be on the snow in about two hours-ish from my house. And in the summer, you can go glacier skiing. So you get up, you go to Sasfe, you, know, you get up at six in the morning, leave the house, go. You can have two or three hours skiing at, what is it, 3,000, 3, almost 3,800 3, meters. Finished by lunchtime, back home in time to pick the kid up and crash. So it's great. It's like you with golf. Yeah, that's like yeah. exactly like me with golf in the summertime. I get up early, get out there, get, get my it. 18 in, and I'm back, and I'm picking the kids up from school. Get it done, right? It's just, fantastic. I just, I just retook up golf. Yeah? So I used to play a lot when I was a kid. Okay. Um, because it's what my my dad did, my mum did. And uh, I used to be I don't know, captain of my junior team or whatever oh not not to brag just captain of my junior team He's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i i went i had quit golf completely last round i played was maybe 10 12 years ago before i came here to switzerland yeah and i i got persuaded by a bunch of my mates having a 40th birthday party and they flew it was just, this was in november and they went to uh they went to um, portugal yeah gorgeous there 20 degrees yeah. Buggy, don't have to walk anywhere. Every t- every five minutes, someone comes around with like a you know drinks trolley or whatever, and it was brilliant. Yeah, and I, I played off my old handicap, played off twelve, and I scored like I don't know twenty three points. I was pretty pleased. With that. Okay, and I hit some nice shots, and it was nice, and everything was nice about it. Ooh, I, and I've been looking for a sport that I can do with my wife. That's the thing. So my wife doesn't ski either. Um, we were talking about this this earlier. Uh, so my wife doesn't ski at all, and I. So I've been looking for something that we can do together that is sporting, apart from going on bike rides and going for walks and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. sort of semi-competitive. Um, and yeah, so I think we found it. Nice. So I've got. I've already started doing the research like I imagine you do. Okay. You know, like what clubs can I buy? Oh, like believe me, we could talk for hours <laughs> off air. You know, Susie's rolling her eyes like, oh God, this has turned into a golf talk. Why so we uh, mentioned golf? Should have never golf? mentioned golf. You know, it, but I agree. Well, the good thing about this, the reason I said it is because we also, we had a tea time of like seven o'clock in the morning, which was, I thought was a bit aggressive, <laughs> but actually it meant that we got back, we got back at like 12 o'clock after lunch and we just went and sat around the pool all day. Yeah, yeah it's it was a good day. Brilliant. It's a good day. I, I, I was amazed. So I, I think I might've, um, we might be onto something. All right. But my biggest issue, I don't know how it is for you, is I don't like competing against myself. Okay. I don't like the mental yeah. mind games that gets played in golf. It's a challenge. Yeah, and it's is similar there... skiing, actually. So it's funny you say that because, um, and we'll get into kind of how you came here, but the mental game with skiing as an instructor, I know I had to battle that. When we moved here to Switzerland in 2017, I didn't ski at all, right? Mm. Uh, and I, over the course of a couple years, I went from going – 
screw this, I'm not doing it to taking my boots off and walking down a blue run with my wife saying this isn't happening, to, yeah, I did that, by the way, to <laughs> last year actually finding that moment where it was my wife, my son, who's now eight, and her where we spent uh, half a day skiing down blue runs at Flumserberg going, oh, I get it, now I get it, Yeah. right? So the, the mental thing of a, a, I had to battle that when I had instructor, the mental yeah. aspect is, is probably huge as an instructor. Yeah, and it's, I'd say it's what we spend a lot of our time managing actually is, is, is kind of people's psychology and emotions. You know, the, the actual business of teaching people how to ski, the mechanics of it, it's relatively simple. Yeah. Um, there's only a number of ways that a ski will physically work. And you know, it's a case of you putting yourself in the right spot and then it works. Yeah. But people's fear, that's, you know, fears, expectations, it's just that, that I mean, that's the roller coaster really. I see it as, you know, my kids who have no fear, they're like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Where me, when I started at 38, I'm going like, "Uh, no, like, I can't break my legs. I need my legs. You got what? You got a job? Yeah. Well, I don't have a job, but yeah. No, no, but you know, it's like your responsibilities. Yeah. And uh, and that's, that's, I developed a bit of a fear of flying when I started getting responsibilities. Okay. And I think it comes with that kind of stuff. When you're a kid, you don't care about anything, right? Yeah. Whatever. No consequences. And so, that's that's a that's that's one of the big factors that I think we have to we have to work with our clients about really. Yeah. You know, is is to manage that. So before we dive back into the Snow Pro Ski School and you have a podcast, the Ski Instructor Podcast, how does a, a former captain of his golf team from Sorry, the UK yeah, I, I should have never yeah, mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Get over here to Switzerland and get into this this business. So how did you come to Switzerland? Um, how did I come to it? It's, I used to be in commercial property finance back in the day. So my journey was left school at 18, uh, went to work in banks in the city of London, Barclays, JP Morgan, whatever, a few others back in New York, ended up coming out of that. I went into a property finance firm and I did that for a number of years and I set up my own and the gradual trend was from going from sort of enormous organizations where you couldn't really see the value of what you were doing down in a sort of you know a funnel almost to like small organizations where you could you could do and see the tangible results of what you do that was going really well when we set up our own firm that was going great and, and we were having fun with it as well that was the moment it was just me and my business partner and we were, we were making money out of our ideas you know and that was that was really fun times and then a little thing called the um the lehman brothers collapse oh. happened and i know exactly where i was because i was around a lying around a, a swimming pool in ibiza and one of the mates got a te- you know, everyone's phone started blowing up oh wow like, oh something bad has just really really happened and because all these guys are in finance you know they're all traders and brokers and whatnot and uh and that was i wouldn't say that was the end of it but it was what happened was none of the banks would lend to each other. And then that had a knock-on effect with us trying to arrange finance for our clients to buy the things that they wanted to buy. And uh, rates you know, tripled overnight, and we, we struggled on for two more years, but it just, and, and in the end, I just said to, to Steve, look, man, I'm not having fun. And he was like, I'm not having fun either. <laughs> so should we just go and do something different? And, and then we, we literally just shut the doors there that day. Okay. Um, and then I drew up a list of all the things that I really, really like to do. 
And on that list were things like, um, I distinctly remember it was skiing was at the top of it. And there was sailing on it, I think, as well. Um, I don't sell anymore. But that was golf it. wasn't that, on the list. Golf was not on the list okay. at that time. I still had this sort of love-hate relationship <laughs> okay. with golf. And it's still, well, ask me in a year, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll see. But I just, I, and I started researching. So, okay, well, how can I ski and be out here and kind of make a living out of it? And I, I eventually settled on a uh, one of these GAP ski instructor courses. So I arrived on this with the full intention of changing my life around. And I was sort of surrounded by 18, 19 year old kids who were sort of doing a party year. <laughs> okay, well this is, di- so I was a bit different on that, that course as well. And that was in Saspe in the summer. Um, Why did you specifically pick Switzerland? Um, Have you been, were you here no, before skiing? Yeah, and- so I had, I had been here in a place called Chateau in France. And Chateau in France is a border resort. It's the Port de Soleil. It, it goes over into into the Swiss side. So my idea was to work in a place called Morgeon, which is beautiful, and live in France in this place, Chateau, which I also really, really loved. And, and it's a, cheaper. A, yeah, yeah, and much cheaper. Um, yeah, you've really got that here, haven't you? Yeah. And the, the whole Frontalier scene going on. So that was my plan. Qualified as a ski instructor in that summer in Sasfe. And then I wrote to literally every ski school in Switzerland. And there were three that answered me, three or four. I could have ended up in Cran Montana. Uh, I could have ended up in, what's the other one? Nenda. And the other one was Champery or something like that. And then the final guy who offered me a job was my boss for the, you know, before I started our own, own ski school, my boss for the last seven years, a guy called Rolf, Rolf Sieg. Uh, in Morjan, and he gave me a gave me a job and gave me my start in the industry, and I've I've never forgotten his uh, him taking a chance on me because uh, I didn't know anything then, um, and yeah, it was you know that's how I got started. So, so um, you mentioned coming over for that kind of gap year um, uh, plan. Is when people do that, is uh, are they kind of um, doing what you wanted to do where they like oh i'm gonna live in switzerland i'm gonna be a ski instructor forever and or are they like let's have a party and just ski instruct for money on the side like yeah. is that was there a big difference between you and everybody else doing it there was yeah and if you speak to those guys now i still see them on the mass of the guys who train me they're all out of verbier uh, those guys and and i think i'm the only one who's ever gone on to do what i've done there was, I would say, probably about, there were two groups of 10, and I was the only one who ever made a career in the industry. And that. The rest of them were there on a gap year mm. or were a bit lost or whatever, and, and were just doing something to, 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 to fill some time. Um, but yeah, I'm the only one that ever, that of that year, that ever went on to, that, is, is, uh, that, that I can see anyway. So does does that mean that there is like um, when when there is a ski instructing school in Switzerland that is not yours, mm-hmm. um, that it's more Swiss people who have grown up here and they're sharing their love for skiing or like what what is it that that drives a person to take it as a career as opposed to just coming here and uh, from another mm. country and doing it for a year and, and then not not continuing it? I don't know the motivation of everyone behind it but but in terms of the a lot of it looks to me from as an outsider looking in and this is this is one of the the, i suppose one of the cool things about being an expat doing this is that i don't have to necessarily 
pay attention to all of this, the, the, the sort of the tradition and the stuff that goes behind it. So in a lot of these mountain villages, these ski schools are owned by, or you know, traditionally the red schools owned by a couple of old dudes who maybe, you know, have like, I'm generalizing here, but you know, have some cows and stuff in the field in the summer. And in the winter, they, you know, it's like that, that advert sometimes you see on the, uh, that thing you sometimes see on Facebook where the guy chucks his red jacket on, has a shave, and then, yeah. you know, he's a ski instructor the next day. Um, which, by the way, is what I'm doing tomorrow. So my, <laughs> I'm starting tomorrow. But this is the last day I get to wear something reasonably nice before I wear one suit for the winter. Um, but the, yeah, so a lot of it is held by the same kind of families, and these ski schools just go on and on and on. A lot of those red schools are held by a number of directors and uh that's how it is and then you've kind of got the outsiders which you know i would put myself in that bracket as you know people coming in and just servicing a different type of market um and that's you know i uh, that's i set up our ski schools i wanted to do something different apart from what everyone else was doing um and i knew the kind of the client base that i wanted to service which was, was expat you know guys like you um and that was yeah, so for me, there's there's kind of two schools, and those old sort of traditional established schools, they they're servicing a market that exists for them, and that you know the Swiss go to them, and that's how it is. You know, that's mm -hmm. sort of cultural. It's the same in France. There's a whole culture. You know, if you're a French skier, you go and ski with the ESF, and that's how it is. You know, the Red School. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of different guys that have just sort of got their own motivations. So um, it's. It's, yeah, I, I think a lot of them are in it for the tradition, mm. to answer your question. Um, and I think a lot of them maybe just kind of fall into it because it's what expected to them. A lot of ski schools get kind of passed down through the generations. Um, that's what it looks like to me. So what's kind of surprised you most since you've become a ski instructor? I mean, you, you set this goal out and you made it. Here you are. You got the you got the certification. You became a ski instructor. Mm. Um, what was most surprising to you once you kind of reached that goal? Um, honestly, no, no, it's, no uh, it's, a, it's a good one. There's two. Can I do two? Yeah. One was the thing I told you about earlier. So when you qualify and you you do that, oh, I've achieved literally a ten year ambition. Yeah. What next? Because that was really tough. I spent, I spent a year kind of just wondering, like, oh, I don't have to go out and practice my short turns anymore. <laughs> I don't have to go out and, you know, worry about the next exam. I, I can literally do what I want now. It's great. But at the same time, you lose a focus. So my focus has now become the ski school as the business. Sure. That's more interesting to me now, apart from the work that I do on the hill. But I'm trying to scale that back and kind of let let my, my guys on the hill. So I've got like a bunch of clients that I want to, uh, that want to ski with me. Um, and I'm great with that, but I'm also really occupied now with this kind of, right, how can I take this really good ski school that we run and make it more accessible to more people? So that's, that's the number one thing. And I think the second most surprising thing, if I'm going to be really honest with you, um, is that about two weeks in to us operating on the mountain, We've been running some promotions and stuff. So, oh, you know, um, I don't know like ten percent off if you book before a certain time mm -hmm. or, or whatever. One of the guys from one of the other ski schools came up, one of the red ski schools, and said, "In this village, we all charge the same." Oh. <laughs> because that way, you know, whatever he, you know, his mindset was limited. He thought the pie was only this big. Right. 
he doesn't see the potential in bringing kind of people from everywhere. It's just an old school mindset, sure, right? Yeah. But I was surprised at that because this guy was was you know I thought was fairly switched on, but and I'd heard rumours that this is kind of how the industry had worked. But and and frankly, I don't give a damn. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually more I'm more I just want to get as many people skiing as possible, mm-hmm. and to pass on this love that we've got. And I don't really care about other people's pie or whatever because mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's, it's about overall skier numbers yeah for me more people can come up and do the sport that we love but i was just amazed by that i that literally just i couldn't believe it <laughs> could not believe it and uh so yeah there you go so what's been the clientele like i mean you, you mentioned the expats is mm. it people on holiday is it those of us who live here mm. um who do you find coming to you to get the lessons and why are they picking you instead of you know the local the local one um I think so. So everyone needs to find, from a business perspective, everyone needs to find their niche. You can't mm-hmm. be all things to all men, and uh, and I don't, I I don't want to be that guy who's trying to do everything. So there's right. certain things that we don't do. We don't do group lessons. We won't do, um, and we won't do. We only really do lessons in English. So our market is a really really small one, and and generally it is, you know, they'll look like they look like you guys really, mm-hmm. you know, expats who are here. On a contract, trying to make the most of it as much, you know, as much as they can out of life while they're here. Sure. Often, and then you'll get the guys that are a bit more long term who are on like local contracts and stuff, and and you know will ski with their kids regularly. So we are the busiest on weekends. Hardly get any holiday skiers. So when all the other ski schools are packed, we're just like sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> um, but we're we're crazy crazy busy on the weekends, and uh, and that's with generally expat kids who are skiing with us and the parents will put in place like a regular series of lessons over almost every weekend of the season. Well, it's funny you say that because when my wife and I came here a couple years ago and I'm trying to learn and my two kids are trying to learn, we're looking at all these places to go skiing in Switzerland. My wife did hours of research mm. and it was like, okay, well, we can go on the weekends because she works during the week, mm. but hardly any of these places offered group lessons for kids mm. on the weekends. Yeah. They don't. It's like Monday through Friday, yeah, put them in ski school. But it's like, well, we can't yeah. do that, right? It's two hours away. And so there, there is a need for that, for that weekend, you know, for the kids, for pride or whatever. Just yeah. There's a need for that. That's right. And we, and we often make um, like weekend clubs. So we'll have a bunch of kids. So we work quite closely with, this other, and we, we work quite closely with international schools. So we've got three international schools and we look after their recreational skiing, their race team. And sometimes we do their GCSE, IGCSE skiing assessments for for, um, for sport. And yeah, you're right. And, and on the weekends, we'll make little clubs. So if yeah. you've got a bunch of kids who kind of know each other, so cool, all right, let's make a Saturday club. Three hours, parents get to chill out and hang out and, and the kids go off skiing and they learn some stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Why wouldn't you have that in place? But you're, it's what you talk about there is the sort of the same limited mindset. So, oh, well, we do group lessons between this period and this period, and you have to come here, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, for me, has never worked. So when we set up the ski score, I said, well, okay, well, why, why can't I meet the client where they want to go? So if you like skiing Vila, say, mm-hmm. but I'm, I live in Champery, well, you know, if you were in any other business, right, in any other industry, I'd come and have a meeting with you, wouldn't I? It's only half an hour away. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. So I go there and I meet them there and we'll set up whatever we need to set up there, you know, because it's, it's also interesting for us. 
as ski instructors. You see, this, if you ski the same resort <laughs> for yeah. four months, let me tell you, after about two weeks, it gets boring. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's good for us too. You go see different places, ski different stuff. You know, it's nice. It's really good. Um, you mentioned doing things differently, and it's mm. so interesting that you do that because I've never actually heard of someone doing it that way, no. and it's it's very very unique. Um, I was perusing your uh, Instagram page, and something that uh, stuck out to me was something that you do differently that I had never seen from um, ski instructors before. You put a post on about um, <clears throat> boots mm. needing to fit right, and this is part of the reason that I don't ski because the boots never fit me right. And I used to say to these instructors, these don't feel right. And they'd be like, no, they're fine. Every single time. And when I read that post, I was like, hold on a minute. Are you telling me that I could have had boots that fit me right? And then maybe I would have been able to ski. And that is just my point being that, you know, you, you obviously are sticking to things that are, um, you know, we're not doing things these traditional ways. No, no. But, and I don't know why I'm the, I'm not the only person doing this. Let's, let's say that. There, there are there are plenty of instructors out there who've got a lot of Of course, knowledge. yeah. But there are, the mindset of certain people is just stuck in a certain way of thinking. Now, I, I, I spent, that was what I was doing my summer holiday. Right? I was writing that blog post because that's information that needs to go out there. It's, it's ski boots are getting better and better and better. Right. That's, that's the one thing to, to start thinking. But boots, this interface between your body and the ski is like the most crucial thing. And I know, that, and it's something that's close to my heart because I've had two years of, of like a boot. And it may have come out of the factory wrong or something like that, but it's given me absolute murder for two years. This, this boot and I finally this year new pair of boots it's the same boot as previous year but it fits better and I'm pushing it in the right place and it, it's now comfortable and that means that my body can do what it needs to do right in order to ski effectively but if you haven't got that like you saw on that blog post right if your boot is keeping you too far back mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to get out of your snowplow for, for, for love nor money so yeah so because you you, yeah. you said something interesting in there about like if you use an old uh, ski boot, there is a chance that the plastic mm. will have um, kind of hardened yeah. in a way that is not beneficial to to skiing. Yeah, and right. I mean, a lot of these places when you hire ski boots, they're giving you boots that are you know yeah. not new. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's a you know a really important um, point that you're doing, and uh, yeah, and yeah. it makes me wonder if I could actually ski. Oh, mm. no. Don't gonna, let my husband hear. I'm not going <laughs> to force you into this, but if you want to come and see, I'll take you with me, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see, right? And we said yeah. this earlier, and I think this is an important part. You'll probably come to it later. That that, that you know, if skiing's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah, let's let's talk about that because before we started recording, I said to you, look, I'm not a skier. I I tried and I couldn't find that, that, um, that point that everyone told me about. And that, that, that time is that I will at one stage be on a mountain skiing and I will realize how awesome it is. Mm. And I tried and I tried and I couldn't find that. And I gave up. I also broke my hand, so that Ooh. didn't help. Um, and I said, I'm never, ever skiing again. Yeah. So what, and you, and you said, that's okay. Yeah. And you don't often hear that, that that's okay if you don't want to ski. So, so what's your mindset around that? Because you also mentioned that your wife doesn't ski. No, she doesn't. And, and that comes from 
drives me crazy because I think we could. She's got, she's got balance like a cat as well. That's the worst <laughs> bit about it. You could do it. Yeah, well, she could, but she doesn't want to. And I'm not going to push my thing onto somebody else. Right. Yeah, my thing. I love to ski, um, but I'm not going to. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to say to her, "Look, you've got to ski. You've got to ski." Because it's just. It's not good. It's not good for anyone. The. She, that comes, by the way, from a bad experience she had with a ski instructor in Sasfate 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Like, I, yeah. You know, one little thing, and we've got to be really, really, really careful with this as instructors and coaches and teachers. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. People take, especially with children, by the way, mm-hmm. like you can say one sentence to a kid that will take it through its entire life. Yeah. And... It's, I must, you know, it's not quite the same with adults and skiing, but but you've got to you've got to be really careful about how you do these things. And um, with my wife skiing, I said, look, you know, we we, sky, we went skiing together a couple of times, and you know, she said at the end of one of those, look, I just just don't like it. I said, mm. it's fine by me, it's absolutely fine. You know, like maybe it's because we're just first going out or whatever, and you you know you're, you're trying to impress me. It's fine. I I, I don't care because. It's something for me, right? It's my own interest. It's my thing. Um, it'd be the same as me in the summer going away, you know, for the day with my buddies on the motorbikes, right? It's, it's just what we do. It keeps me interesting to you, by the way. You know, but you don't great. want to spend every second with I don't your think partner. You, can, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you've got to be, you've got to, this is going way off tangent here, but like <laughs> you've got to be interesting to your partner. And being interesting is having your own things. Sure. Right? To do. If I'm like hanging around you all the time, so you're going, ah, you're soon <laughs> going to get bored of me, right? So we have, we have, uh, so my wife doesn't ski, and I told you earlier, great, an amazing client, this lovely woman called Jo, and she had to ski with her kids forever, and, and she says the same thing after a few sessions. She tried so hard to get it, and she, I just don't like it. So, mm-hmm. Don't do it then. Go and do something else. Mm-hmm. And like I said to you, she, she took up snowshoeing. She loves that. She goes snowshoe hikes everywhere and she finds the most beautiful places, more beautiful than you'd find on skis. And then there's the other kind of pressures that go with skiing. I think it's important that, that you know, we sort of acknowledge this. And the classic one, these are the midweek lessons that we do, by the way, Don, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the rest of the kind of the business that we do is often it's like the trailing spouse or, or, or whatever. So. We, 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 those are the, the kind of the guys that we ski with midweek and a lot of that time the common one that we get is mother with two young children at an interest, international school has fallen or someone's husband's taken her down a black run or something yeah. Yeah. you know and completely lost confidence and then also the other thing is because kids they grow up quick they get really really quick Husband's kind of quick, you know, he's just kind of out of the office or whatever at the week. These are such stereotypes, by the way. But the, you know, mentally quick. So everyone's waiting for you at the bottom of the lift while you kind of come down and do your own thing. It's like you feel that pressure, you know, because you're holding up the family. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that just require a bit of a change of mindset. You know, if they want to race down to the bottom of the lift, fine. But skiing's different for everyone. If you want to go slow, go slow. It doesn't matter. You know, I personally don't like going, you know, a million miles an hour, even though I could. I just don't like doing it. I much prefer, I'm, I prefer the aesthetic of skiing. I prefer making nice looking turns. That's mm. my thing. But, but, you know, so skiing is, everyone is getting down the mountain in a different way. But often there's all these kind of <clears throat> outside kind of influences that, that really kind of weigh on people really heavily. 
And one of those is if you just don't like it, there isn't some gonna, there isn't going to be some magical moment where you say, "Ah, oh, I get it." It might happen like it happened for you, Dom, but for some people it just doesn't. Yeah, and that's fine. But you know, it's right? interesting. Like it, it, you know, you know all the mechanics of skiing and you teach all that, but it seems like you also bring that that mental aspect to your teaching. Where I haven't had when I've taken a private lesson or a group lesson, it's more kind of like what I guess you've had is like well, hey, you know, my boots aren't right. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. Or, hey, it's, it's not a, to a lot of the experiences we had with, or I had it with instructor is just, it's not a, not the mental part. They're just, here's the mechanics. This is what, go ahead and go do it. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. it's more than that. Like, it's same thing with golf. It's not, yeah, it's the mechanics, but it's also the mental aspect of this yeah, sport sure. that is, yeah. that is so important. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. And, and a, lot, a lot of people don't focus on that. Is that what you're describing there with regards to skiing, the, the kind of mechanics or your boots hurt, don't worry about it. That's, um, I love this country, but that is really, really Swiss. Yeah, it's like, sure. you know, it's kind of, I'm here to teach you, these are the boxes that we've got to tick, and that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, uh, deviation. yeah, there's no deviation from that. And yeah. actually, you've been in this business a long time, you find that a lot of lessons, sometimes, not a lot, I'd say a lot of those midweek lessons are actually lonely people. You just want to chat with someone, right? Yeah. You're the training spouse, you've got no one yeah. to talk to all day. And, you know, drop the kids off. You know, the only people they talk to is the kids sometimes. Drop the kids off at school, so oh, we'll go for a ski lesson. Okay, do you want to work on anything in particular? I'm a bit not very confident. Okay, well, I just want to follow you around. It's all right. And we have a chat about literally anything else other than the skiing on the ski you lesson. You just want to chat to another adult sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, and you, you can't. You know how it is, right? You know, I've, I've, and skiing has now just changed for me as well. So, you know, I say for ten years I wouldn't hung up on technique and kind of learning stuff to get to the pinnacle of my profession and mm -hmm. get to this ambition I've got. Where I'm kind of running my own thing, but now it's changed. My daughter literally has just gone skiing for the first time like two weekends ago. She's nearly three, and it was brilliant. And that's all, literally all I'm going to do. I'm trying to work out how to cancel a bunch of sessions and give them off to <laughs> yeah. someone else because all I want to do is go skiing with her. Yeah. Um, but this, and I'm trying to make that an entirely positive experience. I coach it entirely positively, which is um, sometimes frustrating because she's two. Yeah. But um, you know, we worked it out last weekend. It was it was pretty good. We did three runs, went for hot chocolate, came back outside, mm -hmm. and she didn't want to get off. And it was brilliant. And that, that is literally all I want to do now is that um but you know there's a whole bunch of work that i've got to get through <laughs> in order to find those spaces but yeah it's it's you know so it changes it changes but you also find bribery is very key to motivating children to ski yeah. hot chocolate yeah kinder egg french fry anything like that that bribery helps yeah um parenting tip from don yeah <laughs> just bribe your kids uh before we you know kind of get into how to contact you in the on the ski school tell us about your podcast Oh, you also have a podcast. I do have a podcast. I'm, I'm sure it will be not very interesting to your listeners. Because well, it's you a never know. If people are listening now, then they're definitely interested yeah, in hearing more. Yeah, it's true. So this was part of what I did when I was trying to get, um, trying to fill that void after you kind of complete this, this sort of professional ambition. Um, and I couldn't work out what to do. So, so I thought, well, okay, well, I, a lot of people I meet have got really, really interesting stories. So I will interview them. And I'm literally going to talk to them like we are now, mm -hmm. but almost without the microphone. So I'm going, 
out of personal interest. And I just happen to be recording it for everyone else who listens. So I imagine you've got the same thing here, right? You, you start to get like criticism and, and there's people leaving reviews and stuff like that <laughs> here, there and everywhere. And, they're saying, and so I had to put a, like a note halfway through the episode five or something. I said, look, look, you guys, this is from my interest and I'm just recording it. If you want to listen, it's fine. But if you don't want to listen, it's also your choice. So um, this, yeah, it's called the Ski Instructor Podcast. And I interview interesting ski instructors and ski school directors. And I sort of travel about to go and meet these guys. So, uh, so I just did a really, really interesting one with um, uh, a guy called Pete Gillespie who runs something called the Snow Center in Hemel Hempstead in the oh UK. Oh my God, I used to live there. Oh, right, okay. Yes, I never went on it. No, well, I'm, it's, it's an amazing thing. I learned to ski there. Um, you did? Yeah, I'm, I'm brought up from not far from there, a place called Enfield in London. And, uh, and yeah, that's where a lot, of, a lot of really good skiers have come out of that place. I think it's, uh, it's cool. So him and next week I've got a guy... Next week, I'm going to Mijev to interview a guy called Simon Butler, who's quite a controversial character in um, the in the ski world. world. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he's a guy who's taking on the French state in some sort of enormous legal battle. So, wow. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's, he's quite quite the character. So. so definitely interesting characters then. Yeah, and the interviews are okay. Like occasionally it disappears into some sort of technical ski chat, <laughs> but actually a lot of these guys, it's interesting. So for example, I interviewed. Two episodes ago, the head of the Aspen Ski School. Oh, wow. Aspen, Colorado, a guy called John Ballou. And he was immensely interesting because the American perspective on skiing is so different to the Swiss perspective on skiing. Mm-hmm. You were talking Don, earlier, Don, about the, the Swiss perspective on skiing, sort of functional, you tick boxes and all that sort of stuff. Theirs was all about getting to know the client, the experience of the client, you know, getting to know the client on a personal level. And it's, yeah, it was, it was a, like a world apart from the other one. Let me know if you ever interview Lindsey Vaughn. I'll come help set up the equipment and stuff. And if you ever get to that point, just throwing out a name, I don't know, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. If you ever get to that point, she wants to come on and you need help with equipment, I'm, I'm happy to volunteer my time. She's not the hot stuff anymore, though, is she? Michaela Schifrin's the girl. Oh, yeah? Now. So that's all. I, the only reason I know really about Lindsey Vaughn is she used to date Tiger Woods and no, all I- comes back to golf. <laughs> Everything comes back to golf if you don't. It does. I can understand that. It's one of those obsessive sports, isn't it? It's always been since I was a little kid. It's the only thing I've obsessed about. That's good. Yeah. That's we all good. have our thing, right? You got skiing, I got golf. Susie's got Tim Tams. We all have our thing. What are Tim Sleeping. Tams? Uh, Tim Tams are a biscuit from Australia. Are they? They are like penguins. You know, oh, right, you know really? a penguin? Yeah, yeah. But they're like a million times better than a penguin. Oh, obviously. Yeah. They're amazing. It's not my thing, by the way. I don't know what he's what talking about. What is your thing? Apart from Tim Tams. Uh, what is my thing? Um, uh, hmm, I have no idea. I uh, guess I have to find something. You don't have to. That's true. I don't have to. I have to. It's, it's interesting. People find it often late in life, don't they? Yeah. I think that's I'm the way. I'm still young. still young. I've still yeah. got time to find my thing. You don't know anything when you're young. Exactly. Yeah, everyone's just an idiot. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like eventually you grow up. I, I, I just, I couldn't imagine, you know, I'm not exactly sure your age when you were doing it, but obviously you're a bit older than the 18 and 19 year olds when you were going through, the, I mean, like, I'm just, you know, sitting on a tram and I'm surrounded by 16 year olds. I'm like, oh my God, like, they're just, they drive me crazy. I'm like, you're, you're just so obnoxious and, <laughs> yeah. and I, I couldn't imagine, but. It's, it's true. I mean, I spend, so in the summer I'm a football coach, uh, soccer. I gotcha. No, and, I gotcha. Uh, and I. So I, it keeps, it sort of helps me keep me current, you know, <laughs> okay. hanging out with these guys who are certain ages, 
and some of the sort of you know you say something and the derisory looks you get like, yeah oh, god you're so sad and i'm like okay well i get it but yeah it's important to hang around with young people i think if you can so dave how do the people more find out more about the snow pro ski school uh that's a good question um you can just uh that's a good question i don't even look after my own media anymore Okay. I've got a guy who does it. So sorry, Jim, if I've butchered this. Uh, you can Google us. Uh, just go just look for Snow Pro Ski School. You'll find it. It will come up. Um, the website is www.snow-pros.ski. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, All right. we, we're easily searchable, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, well I we... should be for the amount of money that I paid Jim. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Jim. <laughs> Do your work. All right. Yeah, so we'll link to that in the show notes and everything and on our social media channels. So we'll also link to... The Snow Pro Ski School. Oh, that's really cool of you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Here's to a busy winter. Yeah. Oh, and I'm in touch with um, with Noe about yeah. uh, the Congratulations. winner. Congratulations, Noe. For, um, we're, we're just trying to work out a place to ski. We have to see some photos when you're on the mountain. Yeah. She's a lovely lady from Hawaii originally. And she's. Uh, we're just trying to work out a location. So once we've got that, we're going to get her going. The skiing hotbed that is Hawaii. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Can <laughs> Dave, thanks a lot. Appreciate you uh, making the trip up here and coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave, for that awesome interview. Don't forget to check out his podcast, the Ski Instructor Podcast. And uh, if you want to find out more, go to Snow Pros Ski School. Just before we get into our last bit of this week's episode. We just want to give a quick shout out to a Shropshire lad in Switzerland. Jonathan Martin runs the page on Facebook that is full of news and interesting tidbits. And we uh, steal a lot of the things we talk about directly from him. So we are very appreciative for his Facebook page. It's also a great place if you need any advice or want to ask a question. Uh, head to that page, a Shropshire lad in Switzerland. Don, still can't say it after two years. No, I'm not going to try. Okay. I'm going to spare all you. Awesome. Please spare us your butchering of the English language. (laughs) Now, we were talking about um, taxi drivers before, and one of the taxi drivers shot somebody with a taser. A mini taser, but a taser nonetheless. And that made me remember about a story that I read about, not a taser, but people being shot on uh, the weekend. (laughs) In I don't mean to laugh. Rappersville. But. Now, you don't really... I mean, Switzerland has a really high gun uh, possession rate. Yes. But you don't really hear about many shootings. No. So it's when it first popped up, popped up on my news feed, it was like, oh shit, what's happening? Right. And then a few hours later, you kind of got the full story. So no one was um, killed. No one was murdered. That's good. Um, basically, there was a movie scene being filmed on Saturday, and uh, the the scene involved firearms, and um, they somehow managed to shoot three of them, of the actors. So a 24-year-old woman and two men aged 54 and 34 were injured, um, and they're being treated in hospital. So, I mean, enough of an injury to go to hospital. Oh, my. Yeah. Can you well, imagine? I guess the, they wanted a, a realistic movie. Well, they were apparently firing blanks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that blanks would cause you to go to hospital. I thought it just caused a big bruise. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know, though. What would I know? I don't know. I've never shot a, a blank. I don't even really know what it is. I mean, I, I've never shot a gun, so I, I couldn't even tell you that. But I I assume they just, you, that's what you hear. Oh, yeah, well, there's blanks on the movie set, so everybody's not going to die. Well, we probably all know this isn't the first time that someone's been shot while making a movie scene. There's that, um, <clears throat> what was his name? He did The Crow. He was, he, uh Brendan Lee, you don't know this? Oh, Bruce Lee's kid? Yeah. He he got shot on set. Oh, yeah. And died. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's, <not. laughs> it's terrible. I just, how do they how do they make these mistakes? That's Too what, I just don't understand. Too soon. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't mean to laugh. It's definitely not funny. But I do kind of think it's funny that, that these three people... How did they shoot three? That's what I don't get. How did they shoot three people? Like, you think after you shot the first one, they went, ow, yeah. you would stop shooting. Yeah, like, wow, that acting, like that method acting, so good. Keep doing it. You're doing it Wow, really he's well. really bleeding. Oh, my God, he's crying. <laughs> Why is he crying? Good, keep at it. Oh, shit, they're injured. That's not <laughs> fake blood. And people obviously were worried enough that they called the police and everything, but, the you know, it's, it's all above board. No one... Uh, you know, no one was, was doing anything they shouldn't unless it was all a plot. I don't know. I wonder what Do you this... believe in conspiracies? Like it could have been maybe someone had it out for these three actors and were like, I know, let's Ooh. hire them for a movie. Maybe this is part of the movie. Maybe. It's all part of the movie. It's a movie within a movie. So we've had people being shot by tasers. We've had actors being shot by blanks by accident. I mean, Switzerland is a dangerous place. Apparently, my God. I mean, this is we, turning into America. We need to be careful. We need, you lock up your kids, lock up your wives, <laughs> close your doors, don't go outside. It is not safe out there. You could also get in trouble for locking up your wife and kids. True. I wouldn't do that either. It's also not, not a very it. safe thing to do. No, it's not. You know, I went to, a, uh, this will surprise you, last week I went to a movie here Everything in you do surprises me, Don. It's true. I did. I went to a movie the first time in Switzerland. I went you to a told movie. me you went to a movie, and I, literally three days later, I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, it was wild. That you went to It was really movies. weird. You hate the movies. I haven't been to a movie theater, and it. Ha- I think the last time I went, I took my kid to Frozen 1, like the first Frozen movie. That was like 27 years ago. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a minute. So here's what happened, right? Little A little public service announcement for our listeners. When you purchase tickets to an event, I would double check the date. Good point. Okay. So I bought tickets to this event last Thursday. I got a babysitter. I had the wife meet me out. We grabbed a drink before. We go to the venue and we walk up. And we look at the tickets, we look at the venue, look at the venue, look at the tickets, and realize this show that we have tickets for is next Thursday. So we had a good another four hours with the babysitter doing her thing. So I was like, what are we going to do? And I said, it's my wife's birthday month. So I said, I'll take you to a movie. So romantic. Is, aren't I? So romantic. And we went to go see 1917, that war movie. Most romantic film, I oh, think, ever. Was, yeah, we started making out halfway through. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those movies, yeah. My sister saw 1917, and she said that she felt so anxious during the whole thing, she considered leaving multiple times, but she wanted to know what happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It was, yeah. it was wild. And I was like, oh... 
this this I would have enjoyed it watching that at home, but it was pretty cool in the theater with the big screen surround sound and oh you don't say don but then you know here's the other thing no wait a minute don't don't get all high and mighty on me you know it was really annoying it's like we're sitting there at the beginning of the movie right and it starts and they're starting talking and i hear i hear a guy doing this right this other guy's chomping on his popcorn it's just like opening up his drinks i'm just like shut up everybody shut up there's all these people that are annoying around me so what have we learned today we've learned that Don Delco suffers from sensory overload. (laughs) I'm on the spectrum. No, it's just, it's, it was like these little things that are just, I don't know, guy talking to his buddy and this woman clearing her throat. I'm just, I don't know. I didn't care for it. Just stick to watching movies at home. I think very, very rarely. Yeah. Once a year. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. That's uh, Swiss Pats on movies. Yeah, that's uh, that's we're very, we've got very different views of, of going to the cinema. Let's put it that way. We do. Yeah. But also, if you know actors, be careful out there. Yeah, you know, make sure you got your insurances when you come to Switzerland because you might get shot. Mm. But well, probably not. Probably not. You're probably safe. Mm-hmm. So that does it for another edition of Swiss Pats. We like to thank Dave Burrows. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Ski. Woo. <laughs> you hate skiing. <laughs> I can just sense it. Um, I don't. Yeah, cool. I know you don't. So follow us on all the social media platforms. Check us out on SwissPats.com uh, or what's happening for February. is going to be coming out soon. We have some cool things going on our social media channels, so check them out. Give us a follow, subscribe, comment, do all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. See you later. Yummy bonkers, it's an open cellar.